San Antonio Sports Star Audio Vault is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. It's time for your in-depth look at the world of gaming. Here we go! The Meta with Katie Barber. Hello and welcome back to The Meta right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. I'm your host, Katie Barber, and I've got San Antonio Sports Star's James Pledger here with me as always. We've got a fun show. <laughs> We're going to talk about <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077 finally getting updated. <laughs> finally. Uh, uh, I have thoughts. <laughs> lots of thoughts, and I've got thoughts about some Nintendo news, and it's not Good news for once. I feel like I've kind of been on this Nintendo is the best train, and we're going to hear some not so great, so- great, not so great thoughts <laughs> about one of my favorite publishers. Uh-oh. There's, we've got more Battlefield news. <laughs> their their explanations for why 2042's been a mess. We're going to have an entire segment today on the multiverse of madness. <laughs> James is time to shine, but there's just been so much that we need to talk about. And There's we so haven't, many things. We haven't had enough time in any episode to talk about it. We've like condensed these conversations week over week, and I just wanted to long form it. Yeah, just a bit, just <laughs> a bit. And then after that, we got some fun nerd news. More on Bendergate with the Futurama <laughs> reboot. News. Yeah, news, 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 and then just some other good stuff coming from the shows that we know are coming. A new, another new video game film adaptation. So we've got some fun stuff on deck. First, we're going to talk about some events that are coming up here in town. Mm-hmm. There, are, we've got there are all Smash tournaments because yep. <laughs> that is the biggest, really, community of gamers that gets together and they compete. Yeah, and we have the weekly one that's mm-hmm. always at Shenanigans. Yes, on Saturdays. And- and there was the one that they also keep at um, Otaku, Otaku, Anime, Anime to- Tokyo. Yes. So there's. I will be actually sharing links to these tournaments on my Twitter if you don't already follow me. I just at Katie underscore underscore cakes. Yes. Katie to... and cakes both with a K. Yes. So it's K A T Y underscore underscore. Two of them very important. <laughs> and then K A K E S Katie Cakes. And I will be like I said, I will be sharing links to the registration and information for these because it's really hard to follow uh, on the radio. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad we got this out there because it's something we don't do all the time. Of course, follow us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Keep up with all the latest on the meta at Katie underscore underscore cakes. I am at I am pleasure. And I am actually revamping my website that I have for another podcast that I produce Ooh. about the video game industry to include like the show notes and fun stuff from the episode that maybe we don't even get to this week. Because <laughs> my notes are always like three to six pages long. I'm the <laughs> same way though. I'm very detailed and oriented well, and it is just nice to see. I just like to I like to believe maybe I'm just a little over ambitious for what I feel like I can <laughs> condense well, down into this short hour we have every week you know what they say if you you have a list of things that you get through if you get through two or three of them great if you get through six cool like that means there wasn't a lot to talk about but you never don't want to have enough topics to talk about just in case for sure i will say that this is not having enough to talk about though is has never been a problem for us not for us <laughs> we oftentimes during the workday we're like oh gosh the, what's the time i gotta give back <laughs> we're gonna be going live there have been uh, james has nearly witnessed me 
falling, running across to the to the to the KTSA studio to get there in time for a newscast or something. So I will say you will never be short on content. The we just try to get you all of the most important information, and what doesn't get on the show, I'm going to make sure is available to you guys on my website. I'll have all that information on Twitter, mm-hmm. and you'll and I actually. On the podcast version of the meta, I've got links to me and James's Twitters on there as well. So you can find the meta on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, all the fun stuff. If you miss the show when it airs on at 10 p.m. on Fridays right here on Sportstar. So to get started, we've got those weeklies like we talked mm-hmm. about. And we've got a couple um, big conventions that are going to be happening here in San Antonio. And our friend Chris Signs at the Texas Gaming Empire is hosting two big tournaments. The first will be next, or will, will be on February 26th. Mm-hmm. That'll be a, there's going to be a singles bracket only for that particular one. It's going to be at Kawakon at the Norris Conference Center. So that'll be from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. It's a one-day convention, so make sure you get your tickets. Um, they're still available. I believe they're on, the cheapest ticket's $25, so it's not a bank breaker to get in. It's a $10 tournament fee, mm-hmm. so for 35 bucks you can get in and compete. And here's the thing, D- uh, the prize pool is kind of can fluctuate. Yeah. It's $10 to get in. You're guaranteed 300 in the prize pool. But the more people that compete, the that, bigger the prize pool. Right. More money. <laughs> <laughs> and then that and then on February 27th, so not a convention, but that same weekend in San Antonio at Evo Entertainment Springtown, mm-hmm. Guild Games is holding a smash tournament there. It'll be uh, a, a singles bracket and a double bracket, both. So mm. if you don't live in San Antonio, if you live in San Marcos, there's options for you too. I'm going to be trying to. I'm going to be trying to to uh, to incorporate talk. more. Exactly, because there's a lot of people that are playing, and quite frankly, it's not, it's not that far down the road to go it's to. Not. Like you're 30 minutes away from New Braunfels if if you want to hit a tournament there. San Marcos is like 40 minutes away mm-hmm. max. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean it's great to be able to have that because. Depending what side of town you live on, it may be closer to go to a tournament in New Braunfels or San Marcos right. <laughs> than on the far west side of San Antonio. Exactly. And good news, there's going to be a pretty big regional tournament the weekend of March 5th. That's Remember, this is the same weekend that that big Call of Duty majors mm-hmm. is going to be in Arlington at the Esports Stadium there. But if you're not going there, you can compete at the Super Bitcoin Smash tournament and the prize pot there is going to be quite a bit bigger. Yeah, you got a, at least a thousand in the prize pool at, mm-hmm. at these, and it's both brackets. Too, yeah, so. there's going to be a, a singles bracket that's a thousand dollar prize pot guaranteed. So that again, that's another prize pot that could go up. There's going to be a collegiate tournament that the collegiate programs are going to get together for. So you can't unless you're on a team with an accredited university, you're not going to be able to compete in that. But there is a doubles bracket, and I talked to Chris today. There is a smaller. It's a it's a guaranteed five hundred dollar pot. Yeah. So it's a little bit lower, but it'll. But the more people that that register, Play. the higher that'll mm-hmm. go. So there's more options there. Like I said, please follow me so you can actually register for these tournaments, so you have this information easily at your fingertips. You're not, you know, maybe, hopefully you're not driving and trying to figure this out. <laughs> and that is Katie with the K K A T Y <laughs> underscore underscore two underscores. Very important. Cakes, K-A-K-E-S. Yes. And that's it for esports here in town. Everything else is still going on that we've talked about over the mm-hmm. last couple of weeks. There's LCS, there's the big Rainbow Six tournament that's going on that'll wrap up this weekend. But I want to go ahead and get to game news. So we're going to take a break real quick <laughs> right here on the Meta on San Antonio Sports Star 
ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. The Meta with Katie Barbo on San Antonio Sports Star. Welcome back to The Meta right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. I'm your host, Katie Barber, and I've got James Pledger here with me. And he's got opinions <laughs> about Cyberpunk's big 1.5 update. This is the update everyone's been waiting for since the game came out at the end of 2020. In a very poor state. I played the <laughs> I played the game when it first came out, and I liked the story, but yeah, there was so much else wrong with it. The MP- so many glitches, right? It was incredibly buggy, especially for last gen console players. There were so many problems with the AI w- being ridiculously easy. Not only the AI, like the police AI, were yeah. you would expect in a cyberpunk world to be it to be really heavily policed, heavily militarized, and it's it's kind of framed that way. But the game itself, it was it was it was easy, right? It was like you're running around on one stars in GTA all the time, even <laughs> if you were doing the most inane stuff. <laughs> but and even with the like just NPCs in the game, the their pathing was real goofy and wonky. You would see repeat models all over the place. The story, like the side quests, weren't as fleshed out as they should be. Mm-hmm. There was just a lot wrong with it. And this new update overhauled a lot of different systems, added some completely new systems, completely rebalanced the RPG side of the game, re- you know, completely overhauled the AI systems, the NPCs. And that's great, and I've heard really good things about it, but James here says <laughs> what? I say you had your chance. <laughs> Indeed. I mean, it's really hard to look at this in... Any other reason than it was released when? Uh, 20, 20. 20 during the pandemic, mm-hmm. right? It was and like October, November. Yeah, it was November. I want to say it was like a Thanksgiving ish release, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. November 19th, 2020. There the same go. day Battlefield 2042 came out last year. <laughs> November 19th is not a good oh, day for wow. gaming. Is, uh, <laughs> would strike that for many and all for their game releases. <laughs> but the thing is, I look at when it was released, mm-hmm. how long it has now taken to get set. We it was Think in- about what I just said. It was November 19th of 2020. We are in February of 2022 to finally get this patch. Which, and something crazy to think about is the fact that Cyberpunk was first announced probably seven or eight years at least prior to the game officially launching. And I'm at the point right now where I know it's there and, I, and I've stayed away from the game because of the glitches and the bugs. Right. So right now I could go in kind of fresh with this new update and just see it as if it was a first time kind of thing. But right now, out of spite. <laughs> you won't spend the money. I, 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 a, I don't want to spend the money. B, I just want to make a point. Like, uh, I want to make a stand against this now. It, it's for all games that decide... I'm going to put it out there and I'll fix it when I fix it. Like, no, put it out right and update it as you go, but don't ever put out a half-assed product. You know, we saw, and I think I said this a couple weeks ago when we were first talking, when we've talked about this, No Man's Sky is a comparable Mm -hmm. game that has now had almost 20 updates 
the CEO of Hello Games has said there's way more to come. Mm-hmm. All of those updates are completely free, but that's it's that's an outlier in this environment. And like I said, I've heard really really great things about the updates so far. I will I will play it. I haven't had the chance to. I've had a busy week of you know real life work, <laughs> um, and so I'll I'll tackle Cyberpunk again. But I already own the game. Yeah, which helps but yes. for people but i don't blame people who who didn't purchase the game who have been holding out on purchasing the game and maybe refusing to purchase now, the do game. you have it on console or pc i have it on both okay i i got it i streamed it when it first came out when i was living in dallas mm-hmm. um for a the black dog retro arcade which is a really cool pizza spot up in dallas yeah. they, they actually gifted the game to me so i could stream it when it first nice. came out and i didn't have too many issues but pc was the platform that had the least amount of yes. issues Last Xbox One, PS4 players, it was pretty much unplayable. And even for Xbox Series X and PS5, I knew people that had lots of problems there, too. Yeah. Um, but like I said, this... It was less than the, the previous gens, but it was still and, extremely glitchy. And I will say, it's not, it's not totally out of character for CD Projekt Red. I love the Witcher games. It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. franchises. Witcher 3 was one of my favorite games on the PlayStation 4. PC, though. And, and it was... But it was... It's still a pretty glitchy game. Like, there's a lot of memes out there about the Witcher TV show co- with next to screenshots mm-hmm. of like Roach floating in the air. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, the Witcher series wasn't pretty, was not true to the game because the the goofy graphic bugs that yeah. you experienced in the Witcher were were they they became a meme. Yeah. So like the the not that that makes it okay, but it wasn't that much of a surprise. But the extent of the unplayability for a yeah. lot of people was really shocking. So while I'm really happy to see that cyber that, that the developers are really working hard on making the game more playable, overhauling systems, they've got a lot of work to do to build goodwill. I'm 1. making 5. a stand. How about update 7.5? Will you give it a shot then? <laughs> if it ever gets there? <laughs> Maybe. But th- that's like 40 years from now, seeing how long this first one took. So they I'm not really worried about it. They even said that they were going to do an online portion of the game. And that's like, <laughs> that, that's probably it, it took on an two infinite and a half years to get hiatus. this first update in. I know. It's just <laughs> just ridiculous. And I, like I said, I'll probably play it either this weekend yeah. or next weekend. Let me know. Yeah, I'll, I'll play it and let you guys know. I'm going to play it. I may actually restart the playthrough on the Xbox on the PlayStation Five mm-hmm. just to get an idea of what the console version feels like because I think that for a lot of people that's just more that's more reasonable. More mm-hmm. people have access to it on the console, and I just want to see what the difference feels like. Now I know. Now I've the got next the topic <laughs> gives you the feelings yeah. as Nintendo's announcing the closing of the Wii U and 3DS eShops. <sighs> and it's bringing to the forefront. Your biggest gripes now. I, yeah. So I have spoken very highly of Nintendo pretty much every episode of the meta. <laughs> it has been very good to you so far. Well, and, and, and it's because we're not talking about the quality of Nintendo's games, right? That's not the conversation that's that we're having right now. What we're talking about is Nintendo's super weird, secretive, unexplainable desire to keep people from playing really popular games that they've released themselves. These are games they own, that they developed, and that they've released on old consoles that don't... Like the Wii U, I love the Wii U. I mm-hmm. I was a day one buyer of the Wii U. I, <laughs> I used it until I got my Switch. Yeah, it was a great jump 
to go from it was a switch light the much. Wii yeah. to the Wii U, mm-hmm. which kind of catapulted you into switch light. Right. Well, just just because the hardware is so similar, mm-hmm. it's it's fundamentally very different. But it, it it was the predecessor to the hybrid home console, handheld yeah. console that that they went with the 3DS is one of my favorite consoles that Nintendo has made. It has mm-hmm. an insanely huge library of games that once these this eShop goes out like offline, you will not have access to unless you're able to find these games physically, which is more and more of a problem day over day. And something people don't realize about Nintendo is that they actually actively lobby against the historical preservation of their physical copies of their games, making their games physically available, like in a in a in a historical context, in, yeah. a, in a in a museum or an archive. They have they have actual problems. The Video Game History Foundation, which is started by a, a woman named Kelsey Lewin, and she actually runs a really popular uh, online and uh, in person. Uh, a game resale shop up in Seattle called uh, Pink Gorilla Games. It's a really it, what she does is her and her husband have this amazing historical foundation where they catalog um, really rare, one of a kind, even consoles like the Sega CD. Yeah, like there's just a lot of really cool stuff. And I read notes from them about how Nintendo is actively lobbying against the preservation of these games. So the fact that they're making scores of games just totally and completely unavailable because you got to realize mm-hmm. they don't do backwards compatibility in the same way that a lot of the other publishers are doing it. Yeah. They they release their games in a very limited format. You can only get certain ones and they, they are making more games available. They just... Even came- their cartridge-based games. Oh. like There was zero compatibility from if you go all the way back to the original nintendo to the super to the the closest you got 64. was the closest you got was the original ds and the 3ds if you yes. got a 3ds you could play ds games but mm-hmm. now, but again the ds and the 3ds had the largest library of games available from nintendo just com- just completely gone even game boy advance games it's so unless you, you just to watch these games be lost to history because of their digital format the it's only way they can't be lost is physical hard copies now, right. whether it's Game Boy Advance, 3DS, um, 3D, Game mm-hmm. Boy Color. But they like, have the ability to make these games. They do. Ported as an, you know, like they, we know that they're capable of it. They just do not, and they haven't. And I just hope Nintendo really makes it a point to make so many of these games available. I mean, there's Mother 3 or the you know Earthbound, mm-hmm. the, the the third game in the Earthbound series. Yep. People have been begging for that ga- for a western localization of that game literally forever since it came out. And it, and it's like what's the point in holding back? Send me a game list. <laughs> when I start checking cuz I love to just go into old stores and just look at Right. Vintage games. Well, and what's I, I said this I think last week when I worked at GameStop, the most expensive pre-owned games were limited physical release copies of games by Nintendo. Mm-hmm. We're talking a game that launched for sixty dollars costing eighty dollars pre-owned five years after it launched. That's insane. Yeah. But that's also the that's the market for retro physical collectibles. I am good friends with a historian. His name is Patrick Scott Patterson. He lives up in North Texas, and he's. He is on the news. He he he. Coll- he actually does like the storage wars thing. <laughs> oh, okay. But uh, 
but what he finds is like he's found some really cool like Dallas Cowboys sports memorabilia, but he's found like prototypes of like Nintendo Nintendo games, mm-hmm. uh, one of a kind marquees from arcades, you know, those kinds of things that are almost invaluable that you just have to stumble upon by luck. Something he talks about is just that you know random people who own these physical copies of games they don't even know the value of they sell them they sell them at garage sales for two mm. bucks they throw them away the amount of people that throw away physical collectible items because they don't understand what their like implicit worth is I mean it's a lot like baseball cards right exactly mm. but it is as time goes on we're gonna see just an insane shortage of these physical copies of games that as we get farther and farther away it's just Nintendo, do better. (laughs) (laughs) Just be better. That's all I want. Just do better. (laughs) Now, as we talk about, you know, November 19th release dates, Mm -hmm. one of those November 19th release dates we alluded to was Battlefield 2042. (laughs) (laughs) No, so my favorite, my favorite real honest look into any video game company or industry professional type of business who do you blame well my favorite thing is internal communications oh yes or, or financial calls with stakeholders oh that's you're like, in the wrong business that's then. well no i don't <laughs> love it but it's the most honest look into the state of affairs for any business huh. we may be in in radio which is communication <laughs> based but communication is not great no 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 <laughs> but you know, but money speaks and that's why shareholders get the most honest conversations out there and that's why a lot of video game journalists mine these stakeholders these so boring these super boring stakeholder calls i just love to see who people blame when things go wrong and so uh so we're talking ea my favorite they're big so they had to answer what happened with battlefield 2042 because clearly people aren't happy (laughs) my favorite my favorite aspect is that they were upset that Halo Infinite surprisingly released their multiplayer, which was free to play four days before Battlefield launched. And it ruined the entire game. Yeah. They, <laughs> they literally said that Halo Infinite's multiplayer showcased how much more polished it was than Battlefield 2042, as if that's a legitimate <laughs> that's a legitimate explanation. It is not. Like you were you knew you were putting out a game that wasn't ready. That's some my dog ate my homework type excuse. That's not even that <laughs> my dog ate my homework. That's like saying I watched a dog through a window eat somebody else's homework <laughs> and it affected mine. You know, have you ever have you ever watched a dog eat homework? It's very traumatizing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so crazy to think that this is four days before you were going to release anyway. It was right. It, it wasn't going to change anything. It was already unpolished. The the plan was to release it in its less than polished state comparatively. Comparatively. The other thing that they said is 18 months of development time for the game was completely eaten up because the engine that they built the game in, the Frostbite engine, mm-hmm. needed massive updates. Whose fault is that? Yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, it's the same with Download Cyberpunk. Unreal Engine it's 5. The same with, <laughs> it's the same with Battlefield. It is the same across the board. Be better. If you have to, push back your release date. EA, do better. <laughs> just be better, man. I mean, it's just, it's it's appalling. I mean, but unsurprising. But the, what's appalling is that they know they're going to market with games that aren't ready. 
and less than they should be. And and when the entirety of your game relies on the online PvP competitive multiplayer component, that's a lot of words to say the same thing. Yes. <laughs> but when that's what your game relies on, no no single player campaign. Nothing. How are you going to launch a game that doesn't even have a competitive season for people to participate in? Exactly. Until this summer. It's not even out yet still. It's still not out. They st- they're still working on scoreboards. I mean, scoreboards are hard. And numbers are hard. I know that. (laughs) I was an English major in college. It's just, it's infuriating to see what these developers... It's infuriating for me, for like the people that love these games. Yes. But it's not just the people that love these games. It's anybody that loves gaming in general. Because a lot of people will step out of their comfort zone. They'll get into a new game. They're like, ah, I heard great things about Battlefield... I'm going to get Battlefield 2042, and you're, this is the product you're putting out? Like this? Mm-hmm. And I get really frustrated, too, when it comes to these games. I know we're kind of in this transition bet- period between next-gen and last-gen, but when you're putting out a game that literally is a completely different experience on the PS4 and the Xbox One mm-hmm. than what next-gen players are getting, knowing... Like fully well understanding that there is a huge issue with people being able to purchase next-gen consoles. There's people that want to play next-gen. They just physically can't because mm-hmm. they can't find them. They can afford them but can't find them. Segmenting the player base is just... It doesn't make any sense to me there either. I understand the technological and the hardware differences play a big role here. But there's just... there's it, It's just too much for me. And along with, you know blaming a four-day early release by (laughs) your competitor (laughs) rather than that like that is a horrible excuse so is COVID-19 we've been in this for two years now COVID-19 is no longer an excuse it's implicitly understood that COVID is affecting workflows we understand that and I it's and but and if it it affects a workflow then push back the time Push like add more time to the uh, and here's the thing as a person excited for a game, I'm going to understand if you've had delays due to covid or part shortages or whatever it may be like that's just the world we happen to live in now. Mm -hmm. Like I can wrap my head around the fact that, ah man, they had to push it back like a bunch of a bunch of the programmers got covid during the thing, shut down a whole section for like multiple weeks at a time. Well, what's interesting, and we're not going to spend much longer on this. We're about to be done talking about this. But they even they said work from home conditions with COVID, too. So I'm like, so are they trying to say that their developers can't work from home, which I feel like is a lie. I'm sure there's a better work-life balance for people working from home, mm-hmm. which is probably the issue there, too. You know what I'm not tired of talking about, though? The Multiverse of Madness, which we will get to right here after break, right here on the Meta on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. The Meta with Katie Barber on San Antonio Sports Star. Welcome back to the Meta, your source for all things gaming and esports right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. Remember, if you've missed any of today's show, you can always catch the podcast online at sasportstar.com under the audio vault. So we got a Multiverse of Madness poster this week. We got a Multiverse of Madness trailer not too long before that. (laughs) And we've been speculating for weeks based on the tidbits here and there. 
So, James, <laughs> where do you want to start? Um, so let's start with. We talked about spectacular superior. <laughs> I was like, which superior. One? superior Iron Man? What two weeks ago? Yes. And the tra- the trailer kind of gave people Alludes a peek to it. Right. Very very grainy, very blurry, quick shots of what looks like. It could be because if people who don't know Superior Iron Man, if you didn't listen a couple weeks, listen a couple weeks ago, he or shame is he's got a, almost an evil variant of Tony Stark in a world that was compromised, where all the heroes like personalities were flipped in a sense of good evil, mm-hmm. and he managed when everything was made right to shield himself from that, and continued on doing very diabolical things <laughs> like fixing everyone with his new extremist 3.0 for a day or, or a week and letting them get used to it and then taking it away from them and charging them 99.99 a day to continue <laughs> the all free trial racket mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's something really sp- specific about the speculation around who is going to play Possibly, yes, Iron Man. Which is the man who is the leading candidate to play Iron Man in the first place. No, it was not Robert Downey Jr. (gasps) Tom Cruise was wanted for the role originally by the studio, and it didn't work out. Robert Downey Jr. stepped in, and here we sit today. But if we're doing a superior Iron Man or some kind of variant as such... Especially there is a part where people are speculating whether it's either Monica Rambeau or mm. Captain Marvel, where there's this reddish orangish glow. Mm. If people don't remember from Superior Iron Man, when he got angry, his suit turned from the white. It's like a whitish, really light blue or something, right? Arc reactor into a reddish orange, like his anger fueled the color of the suit. Oh, like a, a giant mood ring. <laughs> it, like a giant mood ring, but it's also very hulkish in a sense. Yeah. And the anger fuels the the suit and the armor. And that armor he, and that the the ma- the, the headpiece, the mask for yes. it for it's really different too, right? Uh well, it's different, but I mean, he can go know. full mask, mm-hmm. but he also when he takes it off, is left with kind of like a cowl almost uh, of a sort. You can see his beautiful face. Exactly. <laughs> Which, I mean, there are so many things, but I preface all the speculation with people. Remember, <laughs> Marvel is great at throwing red herrings and false flags out. <laughs> the old Marvel false flag. Remember in Infinity War, there was a shot in the trailer where Hulk is running through the jungle of Wakanda with Steve Rogers and Natasha, and we never saw that scene. And mm-hmm. that's only one of a multitude of times that they've done that. They scrubbed uh, Spider-Man out of the Civil War promos like they've done a bunch of things where they've either inserted or deleted from actual trailers individual people Mm -hmm. (laughs) to allow them to maintain secrets as the story continued i've been seeing 
a bunch of speculation about Professor X possibly being involved here. And that came from the trailer, right? Yes, that came from the trailer. You got to hear his voice, which <gasps> has led to the speculation of hearing Sir Patrick Stewart's voice as My Charles man. Xavier. <laughs> and there is speculation that he is pulling up in his big floating yellow wheelchair <gasps> that we got to see in the X-Men, the animated series <laughs> comic, uh, t- uh, cartoon when we were kids so that's coming back ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's also multiple speculations that, of you're gonna see yeah. a variant of of reed richards we don't know which one if it's the one that we've already seen or if it's a new one that's going to involve possibly uh john krasansky <laughs> which would be Amazing. I want to see him do a Jim from the office look at the camera. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of fourth wall, though, I've uh, speculation about from the Deadpool? poster. Yes, Deadpool, a hundred percent, which I would lose my mind at. I would lose my mind over that. But there's a ton in the poster that there is a shard of glass that breaks, and in the reflection, you can see Captain Carter's shield. Yes, but did they? Wasn't Captain Carter in What If? She was, but. No live action have we seen. Right. So bringing Haley Atwell back to play actual Captain and Carter. People, people were really upset when Agent Carter was awesome. Well, and speaking of what if, right? That that seemed a little bit uh, well timed because the whole pre- I didn't actually watch. I haven't watched what if yet, but the whole premise oh, is so essentially good. alternate universe. Yeah, it's all about different dimensions, alternate universes, uh, different. Uh, universes across the multiverse and different variants and variations of people like there's a world where Ultron won there's a world where you know the Avengers were killed as they were trying to be assembled there are uh, multiple multiple there's a zombie universe like so many great things <laughs> that, that come out of this and that's how the zombie apocalypse speaking starts. of zombie universes we get to see in the trailer an actual zombie Doctor Strange oh there you go it's a little, I, I just can't understand the scope of this movie almost. Like, it feels like, I know it's the next phase, so the movie's going to be the start of what we're going to be experiencing mm. with the multiverse, but it's just, it feels so overwhelming a little bit. It's incredibly overwhelming, In but way. also incredibly exciting at the same time, because we just dipped our toe in the possibility of the multiverse with series like Loki, which was incredible incredibly done mm-hmm. and then on top of that we just finished up with spider-man no way home oh, right. and an introduction to the multiverse that was incredibly well received and now they're just going to rip the lid off of this thing and the fact that they're doing this with sam raimi directing and this being thought of as almost a horror type mm. flick it needs to you can't just kind of run with the feel-good superhero like what we saw like in the earlier avengers movies you know Mm -hmm. they were very kind of cut and dry superheroes are great here to save the day and it's just kind of as end war trudged on really Mm -hmm. i feel like i feel like things got way more serious and a little bit darker after winter soldier was like a really good kind of really that was one of my favorite of that first phase of of marvel movies so great I mean, and I want to see more of Bucky. <laughs> I mean, just th- all of these series that have come out that have been leading up between between Endgame and the multi the the Multiverse of Madness. I mean, we know that Loki's going to be coming back for another season. We know we're going to be. They, they just announced this week that Mobius or Owen Wilson 
revealed that he is definitely coming back for the next for season, season two. Yeah, exactly. And I, I will and say, let's not forget this too, because shortly after this, we're going to see Thor Love and Thunder yep. this summer. If you don't know the principle of what Thor Love and Thunder is loosely going to be based on, it is Gore the God Butcher comes and three alternate versions of Thor. So <clears throat> you've got like a King Thor, you've got like the actual Thor, and then there's a young Thor. And they made try doing this a little bit differently, using Jane Foster to become one of the Thors. But Lady Thor, there is well, canon Lady Thor. Yeah, and so there is a way that they are trying to peel back the layers of the multiverse. It feels like throughout all of these different movies that we have coming together. And let's not forget Guardians of the Galaxy oh. Volume Three mm-hmm. coming up. We've already been introduced to a variant of Gamora. If you remember in Endgame, mm-hmm. and they were on the search for her at the end of that. So, like, they are s- not so slowly and not so subtly just kicking down the doors to the multiverse. And it's just such a true. It's like just so true to the to the to the, the nature and of comics, the multiverse. It's just a, a wonderful way to celebrate what a lot of people love about comics generally. No, no way home was such a great, just like a little dipping the toe in the mm-hmm. water of how great something like this can be for the franchises that we love. And I know I praise the MCU all the time for their storytelling, their connectiveness, their mm-hmm. ability to think things through so thoroughly. But my goodness, they are outdoing themselves lately. This has just been i feel like i am a part of history because movies have never been told in such a format right i mean think about history think about when they were first releasing the 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 first couple of mcu movies it just felt like it was so long in between you know you you would watch the post-credit scene from your first watch through you're like oh what's gonna happen but then it still felt like you had another year or two or three years before the next Mm -hmm. film in the series was coming out and we've been very happily spoiled. <laughs> I mean, Disney Plus has been a real boon. Um, like the oh, launching of absolutely. Disney Plus has been a real boon for fans of Marvel specifically. And speaking of next phases of cinematic <laughs> universes, we've got the very controversial Robert Pattinson as Batman. I don't see it as controversial. I don't either. But I'm very excited about Matt Reeves' The Batman, which is hitting theaters May 4th. March? March, excuse me, We're March not, 4th. I, was like, I misspoke. I was like, what, what month is it? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm getting lost in the multiverse here. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. In another timeline, it's coming out in May. But uh, it's coming out m- March 4th. And so right around the corner and people are just crapping all over Robert Pattinson just because of his ties to Twilight when which, he was Which he clowns on. He clowned on so publicly. I think so people publicly. people should respect the fact that he got his bag and clowned on it on the way out the door. Yeah. Full and here's stop. the other thing. If you've stopped paying attention to him, Robert Pattinson is a phenomenal actor. And he was before that, too. Like, forever in my heart, Robert Pattinson will be Cedric Diggory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> forever in my heart. But he he's just a, such a fantastic actor. But all of the Batmans have been controversial in their own right before That's the true. movies come out. That's true because you had you you have people were just 
clowning on Ben Affleck before mm-hmm. that first movie ever saw the day, light of day. Uh, Christian Bale was considered controversial when and he look first. Look at that. Saw- <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, but I would love. I am excited to see this play out because they are talking about this being origin stories for the Penguin, mm-hmm. the Riddler, and Catwoman. And if here's the thing. You don't hear about origin stories for villains. That means they plan on keeping them around and not doing the regular superhero shtick of up oh, at the end of the at the end of the movie the evil guy's got to die. No, that means they're going to be thoroughly ingrained throughout whatever however long this may take and mm-hmm. I am just super excited because Paul Dano's the Riddler looks amazing. Uh, Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman, just, I'm intrigued, beyond intrigued. And to see where, if these are origin stories for villains, like, what does Selena Kyle and mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne's path take them as this continues to go on? Um, Colin Farrell just looks unrecognizable <laughs> as Cobblepot. I, but, but I will say, the thing that DC has in my opinion, always done really well is is well characterized their villains. Mm-hmm. Like they and, and I think there's really some truth to humanizing villains. So they're they're because that's kind of real life, right? Like villains are not black and white, just they were born a bad person. There's there's a reason there's a, there's a reason behind the madness or the diabolical behavior. You one may not agree with day. it. <laughs> right. Just one bad day, you know, just <laughs> Somebody cut me off in the parking lot at the grocery store, and now everyone gets to die. Now, DC has always done a good job in that regard, in my opinion. Not that Marvel mm-hmm. hasn't. You know, Thanos is an amazing villain. To he was, but when it, but you know, Batman wasn't Batman just because he was a cool, rich dude. You know, mm-hmm. Batman, his villains, the the, the characters his rogues that galleries made him right, exactly, and that's not a bad thing. And I think that's the thing that leaning into. I mean, seeing with. Suicide Squad, you know, objectively a group of people who are not good people, mm-hmm. but we they, they capitalized on it in such a good way, and now we've got Peacemaker Season 2 coming. Yeah. And we can talk about this all day. <laughs> all day. But we've got to take a real quick quick break. We'll be back with some more nerd news. No more comics, but we'll be right back right here on the Meta on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. <laughs> The Meta with Katie Barbo on San Antonio Sports Star. Welcome back to the Meta, your source for all things gaming and esports, right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. I'm your host, Katie Barber, and I've got James Pledger here with me. And we've got more news about more adaptations <laughs> to film about video games. <laughs> Which is not a complaint on my end. It's just been, I feel like every single week, it's like, oh, another adaptation is here oh another revival is here we're we're gonna we're just drowning in the nostalgia (laughs) and the nostalgia this week is bioshock which i think actually is a great premise for a movie and it's going to be a movie whether or not it's one movie or multiple movies if it's just the first game or not or or all of the games it isn't super clear it would be multiple i imagine they're going to try and capitalize on this as big as possible and that's what i'm thinking and and, but from what i've seen people are hoping it's just focusing on the first game because bioshock infinite which i felt had 
It had a more traditional like storyline. Yeah, it was I very, like the storyline in Infinite. But it was pretty controversial in its own right. People had a lot of complaints about sure. it too, which is literally every video game. But I think <laughs> exactly. I think the general feeling of Bioshock, the dystopic underwater failed utopia, mm-hmm. real it's got a really good horror element to it. I mean, I can't wait to see what the big brothers and the little sisters they look like on screen it's i think if they go for full-on like psychological horror it'll do really well that would be awesome right so overall i'm interested to see what it's going to be it's going to be netflix which can be kind of hit or miss we've seen a lot i mean they had arcane great great they also had death note live action (laughs) not great (laughs) no and they're the kind of the ones that have been doing these live action adaptations that haven't uh, translated as well to film, but maybe that's just more anime versus video I games. I want to just revel in the fact that Arcane was so well done. Yeah, that I want to give it hope. I want to give it this chance. Yeah, before writing it completely off. But in terms of Bioshock, like, what's an a game franchise that you think would make an awesome movie or series? Other than that, yeah. Because I've got one in the top of my head that I think would be awesome. I think... Because yeah. they do have the the Resident Evil series. Yes. They're redoing it now. Yep. To be more true, I think, to mm-hmm. the actual franchise. Exactly. But outside of that, I think there's a game that falls kind of within that realm-ish. Yeah. What do you got? Silent Hill, oh. I think, would be incredible. Are there not Silent Hill movies? Is there not? I don't know. I thought they, maybe they made one, but it was so bad that I just didn't care. <laughs> no, right. I'm like, pardon me. I, it, it, maybe I'm just thinking because it really does seem like it would be so good that it they've already a done fantastic it. Fantastic, uh, like an actual production. Right. No, I think that the that Fable, like the first Fable game, would that be really good. That is a good, great one. Right. I think that there would be they're they're making one of my favorite games into an animated series called Ark Survival Evolved. They showed a teaser for it with Vin Diesel. <laughs> Back at E3 a little while ago, so I don't know anything about it. And then my last one, just off the top of my head, mm-hmm. I think what would be pretty cool is... Oh, I just had it. Where did it go? Because I was thinking about <laughs> I was thinking about Ark. I was like, was it The Rock or Vin Diesel that they showed? It was Vin Diesel. Um, but this is going to be really silly, but I love the Rune Factory games. Oh, yeah, yeah, which yeah. Which are made by the same people who made Harvest Moon, mm-hmm. which is like a farming simulator game. But they overlaid the Harvest Moon format formula with an RPG. So really, I think I think most RPGs would do really well if you took the time to bring in the studios that worked on the games. And I think that's the big, the crux here with Bioshock. I think if they bring in Kevin Levine, who created the Bioshock series, the first game, it would be really good. The Last of Us TV series, Neil Druckmann is working on it, right? It's bringing in these studios that, that created the games to work on the shows is, mm-hmm. I think, the turning point that we see them be faithful or at least yeah. faithful enough. Fair speaking, enough. speaking of faithful adaptations, <laughs> we're going to talk about Bendergate. Transition. I know, I know. I'm, I'm working on them. <laughs> week over week, I think they're getting better. But so we talked about Futurama last week and how we were very excited. Good news, everyone. Good news. Except for the fact that John DiMaggio, who is the voice of Bender, is John not coming back. DiMaggio. DiMaggio. <laughs> not Joe DiMaggio. John DiMaggio. And I feel like we, I feel like Futurama is not Futurama with, with, with his voice. But what, uh, we speculated about this, but we got word from him officially this week that it wasn't because he, it wasn't over just him not getting, getting paid enough. He feels that the entire cast 
isn't being compensated the way that they want. And he's not playing ball, whereas everybody else is. Mm -hmm. So there hasn't been a resolution other than him confirming that there's not really a chance that he is going to come back. Now, here's the unless they change the total compensation this. Right. He feels the entire cast isn't getting paid enough. Right. The entire cast feels to be on board, which would assume they feel they are being compensated mm-hmm. enough. Right. I, exactly. He's specific, like literally quoting him. He says it's about self-respect and honestly being tired of an industry that's become far too corporate and takes advantage, advantage of an artist's time and talent. And it is well known that voice actors on the spectrum of entertainers, they are taken advantage of the mm-hmm. most. Even though we've got, you see, like, you, Katie Seagal is an amazing actress, but her voice acting is uh, is insane. You've got Tara Strong is such a strong voice actor. You, she is such a strong I know, but She was Miss Minutes and Loki. She was so many things. She's been everything. <laughs> so many things, everything. And so it is well known that voice actors as a whole are underpaid in the entertainment industry. So this isn't particularly surprising, but for him to take a stance that's so that like an, that's so hardlined on this one thing, right? And and I respect him for wanting to be compensated properly. Sure, but if why the can't entire that compensation cast, come against literally any other project you've done? Pardon me. I mean, and I'd be I'm going to be curious to see if Hulu Hulu like caves and and capitulates and does pay him and everybody more, or if they'll just recast him, and whether or not they're just going to go with someone that sounds a lot like Bender. Or a completely different voice. They've Please got it. I know. Like, because I had this issue growing up as a kid <laughs> when I heard Scooby-Doo and I hear all these newer iterations of Scooby-Doo and Shaggy and none of them sound like Sco- Scooby or Shaggy right. to me. And it's just weird. And I feel like it steals a little bit of my childhood when they do that. I agree. I mean, it's just hard to, to replace such an iconic voice. But maybe... When we come back on the next episode of The Meadow, we'll have some more uplifting news about this. Because I know that they did a table read this week. I would certainly hope so. But, I mean, just please get this done. (laughs) I want Bender and my Futurama. That's all I want. We need Blackjack and hookers. (laughs) Integral to to our survival. (laughs) I need Blackjack and hookers. Merrick. Forget the blackjack. <laughs> right. I w- I'm going to go for a beer right after this in honor of Bender. <laughs> Me too. I just got a couple of new sours that I found the other day at HEB. <sighs> so we could do an entire show on just craft beer. We could. But we do not have the time for that today, unfortunately. <laughs> so that's going to be it for this week, guys. Right. We'll see you <laughs> next time right here on The Meta on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 1033 FM.